What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Eve with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Super excited for today's episode. We have Dr. Anne. She is a little bit of a local celebrity, has an absolute fire and passion for lifestyle medicine. She is an MD with a very cool story of how she started as a primary care physician, a family physician, and is now out there speaking talking, doing workplace wellness, has uh, online courses, and obviously making a huge impact on the community. So without further ado, here is Dr. Ann. What's up, everybody? We have Dr. Ann, a special guest with us today. I am very, very excited. How are you? I'm fantastic. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super pumped. So you're a little bit of a local celebrity and best-selling author, um, just a lot of cool stuff. And I really want to know how somebody like you with an MD who has just what I think is an amazing view on health and wellness and lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Where did you start mm-hmm. and how did you end up here today? Great, that's a great question because I am some, it's, it's not typical. Um, I, for my entire life, or as far back as I can remember, let's say, you know, since my teenage years, um, I was passionately interested in nutrition and fitness. And I always knew I was gonna go to, into medicine, always. I'm from this huge, long lineage of doctors. It's ridiculous how many doctors are in my family on both sides, all around. And my father recognized that really early. He was a surgeon and really helped cultivate that. So I was absolutely on a track to go to med school. And when I got to college, I decided that, you know, a logical thing to do is going to be to study what you really, really have the greatest passion for, which at that time for me was nutrition. Uh, And so I majored, got my undergrad degree at Clemson in food science and human nutrition, loved that, but really never felt like that was going to make its way into my professional life. Again, I was on this track to to go to medical school and always saw myself in academic medicine. I love to teach, which is relevant to what I do now. Anyway, so I go to medical school uh, and I'm actually um, planning to study dermatology. I'm not going to give you the full story, but as a result of obligations to my husband, who was also a training physician, but who was ahead of me in his track, mm-hmm. I, I had some restrictions on where we could go, you know, because I was kind of following him. And that uh, ultimately kind of precluded my pursuing dermatology. And I frankly, because of things beyond my control, these geographic constraints, I ended up in primary care. And I ended up actually loving that. Uh, And so I was a a family doctor. I trained in internal medicine and practiced family medicine. I did the first few years in the Army because he was in the Army. I was a civilian in the Army. And that's really where I learned, oh my gosh, it was exceedingly busy. They let let you do anything you want, pretty much. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, and then we got back to Charleston. I went into private practice. I had a sort of a bread and butter family medicine practice right here in Mount Pleasant. I loved it. I was completely devoted to my practice. When was this about? So, uh, let's see. Um, If I left, I would have started, I was in that practice here locally for about 13 to 14 years. And I left that practice at the end of, let's see. 2002 so 90s so yeah early okay. night we came back now I remember we came back in like 91 92 something like that yeah Mount Pleasant right. still new I remember, I mean, yeah I yeah wasn't... and I had a great practice I loved it I you know I gave it my all and I was just completely devoted to it I had amazing patience and after about I guess 10 years in that practice you know and I, you know it, it was huge it was pretty much full 
I, you know, it's just me. I, it's like, it wasn't like been there, done that. It wasn't like that because I was completely devoted to those patients. But I just felt um, a deep hunger kind of that I could do more. So there was a, the confluence of several factors. It's just my nature. I'm always raising the bar, raising the bar. How can I make more of a contribution? How, you know, always. And then simultaneous with that sort of yearning, to do bigger and better and maybe more impactful things, I was the science was starting to come out. So the science related to nutrition and lifestyles that impacts health really started flooding out in the late 80s, early 90s, and has been a, a crazy steady stream of it ever since. So that science was starting to come out. I always had a passion for that. Think of it as, and I noticed in my practice that when I, um, empowered people by just sharing with them what they could do through diet and lifestyle to be healthier, I noticed they loved it, right? Love and I word. had some really aha moments, like that, you know, really intense aha moments um, in my practice that, that just made that glaringly obvious to me. People were in a way more appreciative of that than if I gave a pill that saved their life. It's fascinating, the, the human dynamic. And my take on that is people love being empowered. And when people do it themselves through making healthier diet and lifestyle choices, it does empower them. And that is an amazing feeling for a human being. So I saw that happening. Plus, medicine was starting, the doctor-patient relationship was beginning to be really, you know, messed with. And I was growing continually, you know, uh, progressively frustrated with interference of that by insurance companies, by red tape, by outside parties. Ugh. And it was not an overnight decision. I contemplated this very, very carefully. I prayed about it for three years before I made the decision to um, leave that clinical practice to devote myself to wellness. I did not know where that journey was going to take me, but I knew it was a really exciting frontier. That's people, such a new area. People thought I was crazy. Yep. Um, my husband said, Anne, you need to go see the shrink. You're not being rational. You know, you're walking away from this, this you know, um, successful, um, you know, busy practice. And, but I knew, I knew. I absolutely saw the writing on the wall. And, and I did. I absolutely knew intuitively that it, I could make it more than fly, but I didn't know where I was going to land anyway. And so since that time, so I left, I originally, initially did one-on-one because -on -one, that was my contacts. I didn't ever think of anything more than that. And then what, and I was loving that. That was great. In your it was kind of like private, private wellness coaching. Yep. Right. Yep. And then I had an opportunity very early on to speak. Light bulb goes off there. I'm speaking at my kid's PTA. Uh, feed your kids right. I still have the note cards from the talk. Hmm. And I, then, I, you know, again, you know, anytime, I think with success, you know, there's there's hard work involved in that. And sometimes there's fate, you know, just the right doors opening up the right mm -hmm. time. And I happened to have a, a private, and I call my, they weren't patients. I wasn't touching people. I was just coaching. So I called them clients. I had a private client who's, um, background was kind of in media and he is very connected and um and really said I noticed he kept watching me kind of throughout and he said you know Ann you are onto something and I think if you wanted to you could do big things with you know your background and what you want to do and and anyway so I and he said if you're interested you know come talk to me and I I did and so uh anyway he he played an instrumental role in sort of getting me out there. I did a talk at a very prestigious uh, resort where, uh, this was right, you know, really early on where the CEO of a big restaurant, national restaurant chain was in the audience and said, I want to hire you to be my national spokesperson. So I had that happen quick and then I had an opportunity through this same individual to write a book. And I had a book in my head that I wanted to write. And so I got the book. You know, those that kind of stuff can kind of launch you. So I had the book. I got national exposure from this being this restaurant chain's healthy. And they were doing a health initiative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so those things happened, which really helped launch me. And then 
I started doing more speaking because I recognize that's a real talent and, a, and it's a passion and I love it and I have a blast doing it and I can reach a lot more people. And then from then on, it was just, again, meeting the right people, meeting amazing people, connecting to the right people. And if you're passionate and you are good at what you do, you know, and I had a very, I had, I have very good credentials. I mean, doors just fly open and they opened. And, you know, so I put lines out all over the place. Not knowing exactly where I was supposed to land. Yep. But anyway, so, you know, ultimately my goal and my still my goal is trying to reach as many people as I can, uh, inspiring them, motivating them and guiding them in terms of what they can do through diet and lifestyle to live the healthiest life. That's really what I do. So I'm a motivator and I'm a teacher and I use any avenue and you think you have to think of leverageable avenues, podcasts, you're doing podcasts, mm-hmm. it's very legible, le- leverageable, um, you know, books, I have an online healthy living school, which I'm really putting a lot of my focus in now. I've done a lot of media. Um, I've written several books. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing to me i mean as i've gone through my health journey i've realized that and most people don't know this like mds aren't and you can correct me aren't trained in nutrition or lifestyle only five you know there there are a handful of universities that really do it right i just was reading last night in the book i'm reading the average medical school devotes you know less than i don't know it's less than 20 hours and to think to even nutrition and even that it's not really focus on nutrition they're 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 being they're being generous in that because they're considering like the food they're considering right? things like you know biochemistry and all the kinds but anyway it's it's just beyond fathomable to me that something that has such a profound massive impact on our health at all levels and so high upstream that that you could graduate from medical school and not be an absolute incredible expert in nutrition is beyond mind-boggling to me with what I know what with what the data shows you know we can reverse disease with diet there is no drug that can do that it has been proven for cardiovascular disease it has been proven for type 2 diabetes they have trials going on right now at some of the most prestigious research universities looking at even reversing early dementia um, I've been reading about that too. We won't and go down the be, you know, beyond yeah. beyond that, I mean, you name the condition, I can assure you there's data out there to support that a dietary modification will go a long way um, toward you know lessening its mortality or even you know reversing it in some cases, not in all, in some. Do you think other MDs? I've thought about this a lot. I like that you said reversing type two diabetes. I yeah. feel like most people, the common American, let's say, doesn't understand that that's reversible. And yeah. are MDs yeah. even educating people? Like, hey, this yeah. is actually reversible. So, I'm going to give you this drug, unf- but you could do this. Yeah, unfortunately, and listen, it's not at all the medical establishment, the doctor's faults. I completely they, agree. The doctors do what they're, what they're trained to do. They're, tr- you know, doctors do what they're educated to do. And they're not educated in this realm. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a systemic issue that's not at all related to medical students and practicing doctors um it you know some of it's that bureaucracies are slow to change we know yeah, the, da- the data research, yeah. the data shows yeah. it takes 17 years on average 17? from something to get out of the ivory towers of academia out of a journal and into clinical practice 17 i heard 10 okay and you know a friend, of, a friend of mine is really into this you should have them on your um if, yeah. if he's not busy enough. So you probably know uh, Dr. B, Gut Health MD. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and he was introducing me the other night. I was doing a talk, and he said, you know, I don't think it's by coincidence that Ann left her practice about 17 years ago. And, and you know, that no, it really, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. it's exploding in yeah. a way, right? And, and it is exploding. I mean, yeah. like I said, like gut when, health. when we were talking before we were yeah. on the air, I just got back from the uh, Lifestyle Medicine Conference. This is Do American College of Lifestyle yeah. Medicine. You can now get board certified in Lifestyle Medicine. And it is 
there, there has been an explosion in the growth. I mean, there were so many doctors there. They had to cap the cap the meeting, close it way before they had planned. In fact, they're trying to find, they're trying to open up five more, 500 more slots for next year's meeting. They're trying to find a meeting place big enough to accommodate all the doctors that are just craving to learn this information. Do you think these are wellness doctors or are these people trying to incorporate into their, you know, the, 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 No, practice? most of them are that. They are practicing clinical physicians. They're cl- it's clinical medicine. Yep. And so this has become a really exciting thing. They're more and more doctors, you know, just standard in clinical practice, private yeah. practice, or university-based right? that, that are doing this. Yep. And they're getting known for, okay, you want to reverse your diabetes, go to X because he's, you know, he's board certified, he knows the stuff, he's got the program of what to do. Um, and so this was incredibly exciting to see. I mean, when I first started doing this and going out and doing some talks, and I did some medical talks early on, like, you know, South Carolina Medical Association, I mean, 15 years ago, even to like the family doctors, and they—I mean, they—they they were looking at me like I had, you know, horns growing out. I was out say, my head. did that, you buy some haters? And you were like, that is just they, no. They didn't hate. No, no, they were never haters. Doctors are awesome people, but they—they okay. they were like, whoa, they just—they—they—they they couldn't kind of wrap their head around it, sure. like what you know, and understandably because they this was like foreign stuff to them. It's too much of a change, right? It's like yeah. we're going from zero and, to one. But now I can it. talk, and it's like I'm attacked. How did you get into this? And I want to do this, and this is like attacked amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, I started being attacked, you know, seven, eight years ago, ten years ago. It, so it wasn't five or six years before the, you know, the word was getting out. And it's, yeah, I always say I think I'm the best job in the world. So. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it's cool to see because you do see uh, functional medicine, integrated mm-hmm. medicine, and mm-hmm. I even know lifestyle medicine, just more people going that route. Right. I always thought it was the cash wellness route, but the fact that we can actually incorporate this. Yeah, they're it, doing it in clinical practice, and that's what's, that is big, that is the big game changer. And I do think things are gonna get better. Uh, there'll be changes with you know reimbursement and things like that, that you know, that's another big impediment. Oh, so I was gonna ask you. Because like, do you think I'm a teacher, time? you know, if you're, if you're trying to empower people with what they can do through diet and lifestyle which is what lifestyle medicine is to be healthier it takes time it is teaching right you know for me to teach someone how to someone how to eat right for life which is you know one of my biggest programs i really need about three hours with them and even then it's not every single nuance but you know they can they can get a book and then get some of the nuances and you know handouts and things like that but to get it out, you know, how are they going to do that at a fundamental level, relevant to build it into their life, takes me about three hours. How do you do that in clinical practice? Right, right. It's like what the average time is. What I mean, I've heard anything from fifteen yeah. to five minutes at a time. No, no, right? this is a huge, huge, huge problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what I like, what I've seen lately, is there's more people like you, mm-hmm. right? Because like mm-hmm. you can get well, the data is just other the data meetings. is just. Mind blowing. Yeah. You know, this is mind blowing. I mean, you crazy. Yeah. I mean, drug companies can only dream of creating drugs that foods do with the greatest of ease and no side effects. That's the other thing. Yeah. There's this element of safety, huge element of safety. You think that's going to become the norm? Like, you know, I just, maybe I'm a cynic, but um, it's just like, I feel like we'll never get, we may get better, but I feel like it's. Well, just, we're it's up against some really big, um, Really big barriers. I mean, big pharma is extremely powerful. Yeah. I mean, there is enormous money to be made in poor health. Enormous. And if you really look at medical education, again, it's it's not any you know any specific you know person's fault. Um, it really, is medical school is how do I use drugs and medical interventions to make sick people better? Yeah. I mean, that's really what you're learning. I, I mean, you really, that is what you're learning. Yeah. And it's massive business, massive. Yeah, there's enormous power and money. Um, so there's incredible political influence, you know. Um, and, you know, you compare the money made in big pharma to the money made in food. I mean, it's money made in food, but money made in healthy food, you know. So, but at the end of the day, so what I have found, because when I, was initially contemplating this move. I had lots of, I had lots of options and lots of thoughts. I thought, okay, you know, one avenue because I knew what I was trying to do. I knew what I wanted to do. Ultimately, I wanted to, you know, bring shed a light on the science, 
and bring it into people's lives. And I thought, you know, maybe my avenue will be go try to change medical education. And I, you know, I started looking at that. And I thought, oh my, it's just too much. It's a dinosaur. It's a beast. Yep. And I realized, you know, I can circumvent that and I'll just go right to the people themselves. And then the other interesting thing that's happened is there is enormous money to be made in wellness in terms, you know, let's just talk about businesses. And they pay the lion's share of private healthcare costs, which are is one of their mo- you know biggest ticket, you know, items mm-hmm. on the on the balance books. Right, expense. They're paying that, but they're also getting reamed because there's so many unhealthy people that not only have high medical costs, they're unproductive. You know, there's facts on this. We can see what happens when you know, the produ- productivity of someone that's struggling with obesity. It's just not on par with someone that's not. Mm-hmm. And you know it has these co- these oftentimes these comorbid conditions, and and that's a, one reason I really focused on employee wellness is a is a really ripe context to work in to make great inroads. Everyone wins. I win because I get to reach a lot of people. In one fell swoop, the employer wins because it gets healthier. Um, healthier, more productive employees. They're oftentimes happier. And employees win because they get wellness empowerment, wellness education on the time and the dime of their employer. And so, oh my gosh, employee wellness is, I mean, a multi-billion dollar industry. That was not even existent 20 years ago. Um, And so in that, there's, if you're a practitioner, there's ways you can tap into that too. And so, you know, I kind of went that route for a lot of what I do. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been wonderful, great, fantastic. So you go fantastic. into companies and you'll mm-hmm. do like a wellness? I've done a ton of that. Yeah. What will you typically focus on on those um, It depends. stress? You yeah, know, it, you know, I'm most known for my expertise in nutrition, but I'm just, you know, I'm just as... Um, knowledgeable with the other um, avenues. So fitness, it's just that teaching people the eating part is way more involved and 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 is a lot more, encompasses a lot more information than the fitness piece as far as the knowledge, like the knowledge, that basic knowledge they have to have to do it right. I mean, it's not, it's way more information and way yeah, more teaching. Go for a walk, that's usually my first fitness advice anyway. Um, but you know, so like for example, one of my, most popular courses is the happiness plan. So this is the whole brain health thing. And yes, the first part is the happiness diet, that's eating for optimal brain health. But then the next part is the whole lifestyle piece. And I cover sleep and I cover fitness and I um, cover, you know, prolonged sitting and I cover, you know, sort of, you know, healthy behavior change kind of stuff. So anyway, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I work in all the areas, but my most popular talks are going to be Eat Right for Life, the Happiness Plan, and then I have focus talks. You know, people want sometimes just heart, or people want sometimes just energy, or people want sometimes um, just weight control. You know, so I have, and you know, the irony is not the irony, but the, the reality is that what you need to do for weight control is the same thing you do for heart, is the same thing you do for metabolic. I mean, it literally almost everything is the same thing. Yeah. So it makes it easy. <laughs> yeah. Simple. Yeah. Just these fundamentals. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Getting people to actually take action and actually empower them is what I've found is the biggest challenge for like us in our practice when it comes to nutrition or fitness yeah. or any kind of lifestyle change. Right? Yeah. And that's where the three hours, I'm sure the information is there too, but a lot of it is like, all right, how do I get So this? Well, that's a great thing. We can talk about that because um, that is another really exciting area of science. So, you know, we now have, particularly with all the um, people are so connected and you know, smartphones and this and that and the other, that there's a lot of crowdsourcing of data and so they have been you know and there's some incredible universities Michigan's University of Michigan is one of the best that are really studying behavior change I mean as it relates to health yeah. and what you know when when, when people change behaviors and, it's, and and really do it and and do it long term and they have these room, yeah. just transformations what motivates them how yeah. do they do it so they've been studying all this right and it's fascinating. And of course, there's always outliers. It's a bell-shaped curve. But as a general rule, the key 
guidepost with healthy behavior change, getting someone to do it, is first of all, and that people need to be taught this is you know first of all surrender, and there's something about accepting kind of where you are, no matter how unhealthy, you know, just like okay. Yeah, I'm not 300 pounds overweight. I have diabetes, and much of this is was you know in a way self-induced, so albeit not fact. purposely, but because yep. they're not aware that diet lifestyle have such an impact. So just you know, suffering is pain time pain times resistance. So many people are resisting the reality of how bad off they are. So if you, you know, and so acknowledge it, full frontal acknowledgement and move on and what does it frees up energy so that's important that concept of like true surrender to the reality of where they are and if something can happen immediately and then bam energy is freed up purpose is big so this is probably the biggest thing people that change and change long term and have these amazing results they live a life with a deep sense of purpose. You could ask them what gets you out of the bed in the morning. They can say it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not having to grapple for, I know I don't really know what my purpose. They know exactly their, you know, their forward moving vector, what kind of keeps them going. So purpose is big. And mm-hmm. so you tell people, you know, and that's another way of saying this is core values, intrinsic values. So you tell people, if you do these things, you, know, you can have them say, 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 to, say to your patients, clients, say, you know, what gets you up in the bed in the morning? If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you be most sad about leaving? And most everyone can come up with three or four things. Sure. And say, all right, those are your core values. And say, if you can make these changes and you can do it at a pace that works for you, all of those things will dramatically improve. So if your core values are your family, your relationship to your family, I mean, you might live 20 more years that you wouldn't have lived. 20 more years with these people. I mean, that's the kind of, you know, so so focusing on core values and making and tying the change to an improvement in the core values, then making it a journey, one step at a time. It's not this all or nothing thing. You know, in fact, one or two changes are what we like people to do. And it is a journey. I mean, I'm like, like I told you when I walked in here, I'm doing the fasting mimicking diet right now. You know, I'm always on a journey. Yeah. You know, there's always some new cool stuff happening. And, even, you know, I'm going to, I'm like the mad scientist and I'm always going to experiment on my own body. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm always, always kind of tweaking something or trying something different so yeah the desire to improve or the desire to get to the next level can I I make it better I love the purpose thing I mean we use that a lot with our patients and you know uh, usually it's okay I can't run anymore and you know we get into well why do you run well I run because I have a stressful job and I enjoy running so we link the rehabilitation purpose into that purpose there you go and uh, you're right it's so powerful I love that question I'm going to try that question out yeah yeah you know yeah um, and we see it a lot too like a very common one we get with you know our demographic is like usually somebody has children or they kind of have children they realize oh man I want to be around for a long time and that can be that moment that kind of drives typically totally change yeah you know? family is a real big motivator I I um I had an amazing story this is after my you know early on I was doing a lot of work with Clayton Homes that's a big manufacturer of mobile homes one of Warren Buffett's companies I actually spoke to every one of their employees. It took me months. You know, they'd fly me to different spots. Yeah. And people would write me after hearing the talk. And um, I got an email and included a picture from a fella who was probably in his upper 30s. And he said, and he wrote, and he said, Dr. Ann, I had promised myself I would write to you when I lost, you know, 18 pounds. And I want you to know that I've now lost 30. And he you know, went and said something. He said, there's one thing you said that I will never forget. And that's what did it for me. He said, you know, all of us would lay down on the ground and die for our kids if we had to. We'd take a bullet for them. But you know what? And I don't, you know, it's funny. I, I, I get so in flow when I'm on a stage. I don't know what I say. <laughs> yep. And he said, but you said, well, why don't you live for them? Because that's really what they want, want more than anything, and that did it for him. And so when he when he sent me the pictures, the before and after, you know, mm-hmm. here he was before and then after. I mean, he was like, and he was exercising. Wait, well, my favorite thing is he was sporting a new tattoo. Oh, there so you go. So here he, you know, he's feeling great about himself. He's got purpose, right? Yeah, he's feeling, you know, he's feeling good, and anyway, it's great. 
Um, but, and that was a long time ago, so. No, it's, yeah. it's very cool to see those changes. And I mean, I was reading this uh, book and it kind of, it's called The Power of Moments. Mm-hmm. And it's almost exactly what you just said. It was, you need to shine the light on the problem and yeah. really get somebody to make that self-realization that I do have a problem, which is very challenging, Yeah. right? Yeah. And then they can create, then you create the moment, which was, oh man, that moment, yeah. you saying that, yeah. clicked in his brain yeah. and bam, now yeah. you've got behavioral change. And there's something about acknowledging for- things that we don't want to face. You know, you can never get through anything. You have to go through it. You can't go over it. You can't run away from it. It never works. This is with a psychological, you know, any issue you can name. Whether it's a health issue, whether it's a mental health issue, whether it's a family issue, you know, running away from it never solves it. And it's, it, 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 you know, and once you kind of learn that and like take it on and you're like, oh my gosh, it's not that bad, you know, and it it just frees up this energy to, to be able to act, to address um, moving in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, man, there's like a thousand things that I want to just delve into, but I'm going to try to just reel some things back. I w- but the one thing I think would be powerful is for you from a nutritional standpoint, you've done this, you're an expert in this area, right? Like what are some of the, we'll just call it best practices that mm-hmm. you're typically talking mm-hmm. to, to patients about as sure. far as these lifestyle changes sure. they can make? So, you know, in nutrition, you know, diet-related chronic disease is the single greatest cause of adult morbidity and mortality. So we have more people dying related to diet than anything else, anything else, including the fitness so piece. repeat that five times, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the simplest way to kind of wrap your head or master healthy eating and it's so easy you know instead of like oh my gosh there are 80,000 foods in the grocery store I gotta somehow learn the 80,000 what are the good with the bad no wrap your head around you know conquer your carbs then the second thing is and that's the that's the top thing and that's very straightforward and I can I mean I can reel this off in no time mm-hmm. so that's the first thing the second thing is give yourself an oil change this is in with the healthy fats out with the unhealthy fats and the third thing is power up with the best proteins all right so conquer your carbs and it's the top thing we have one group of bad carbs simple to remember them they're all white white flour products white rice White potatoes. I'm not talking about small, occasional small new potatoes with skin. You know, how to you know most people do white potatoes, and then sugar. Right? Those are the bad carbs. Horrible for you and harm your health in myriad them at all um, costs. a myriad of ways. Yep. So what you do is you shift the good carbs, and there's four, and these four good carbs are the healthiest food you can put in your body. There's no other foods that has the data behind behind them relative to these four foods and in terms of disease prevention and disease treatment and that's fruits vegetables beans and whole grains okay and within those you all within and this is true for every step you want to do is eat the food as close to how nature gave it to you as possible so that's another simple easy rule so what would be better i'll ask you what would be better to have um some corn on the cob or to have some cornbread. Corn on the cob. Corn on the cob. Yeah. Right. Right. Corn. So no. eating as <laughs> close to, you know, eating as close to the, that that foods, natural, natural, new word. I'm always making up new words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, natural form. Okay. So that's the carb thing. And, you know, in terms of why the good carbs are so great, again, it's opposite of the bad. Uh, they have phytochemicals. They have the fiber that just is like beyond crazy and all the things it's doing, all the body, including the microbiome. They have the more nutrients than any other foods. And, you know, and these things are literally impacting us at the level of our genes very, very powerfully. They're turning good genes on and bad genes off. So it's very, very, again, upstream effects. That, that have massive impact on down the line, right? Turning genes on and off, just most people think that's like a mythical thing. That yeah, people so just they need say. to know that. This is yeah. another great thing. This is a big revolution yeah. of the last you know, 10 years. You know, this is up there with the microbiome stuff. It's called epigenetics. Genes are not destiny because they have no flipping ability to turn themselves off or on. They can't do anything unless they're flipped on. <laughs> and they don't have control of themselves. Right. So you say, well, what does do that? Well, it's the epi above, epi isn't above, it's above the DNA. It is an apparatus, it is called the epigenome. You say, well, what, it, 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 what drives that? What determines the epigenome? It's purely environmental. And the biggest, and so I always say you, you and the choices you make, 
the biggest influencers of the epigenome or what drives it are what you eat, your stress level, your fitness level, what toxins are you exposed to, that would include tobacco and alcohol and things in the environment, what prescription drugs you, you take, um, what are your thoughts, uh, what are your feelings? Feelings have a massive impact on your genes. If you're down, if you're negative, if you're hostile, if you're angry, you are flipping on hundreds of horrible genes and vice versa. If you're peaceful, if you're joyful, if you're hopeful, if you're, uh, you're, you, if you feel a sense of gratitude, oh, I mean, look, I'm getting chilled. You know, you're turning on all sorts of good genes and turning bad ones off. So that's what influences and it starts in utero. So what your mother did, it even and these things can even be transferred. Mm -hmm. So your father's diet is transferred through his sperm to your epigenetic machinery. And is, so, you know, for parents out there, what you do is can impact not just your offspring and their epigenome, but their offspring's offspring. So that's a really exciting thing. Yeah. And you have control over it. That's the thing I keep wanting to show people because they will hear it from other, I mean, I've yeah. people walk in, why are you on statins? Well, my doctor said that I have bad genetics and I need to be put on them. Yeah. You know, there's not even this conversation of epigenetics or the idea that yeah. you can make these changes and you have control over this. And, and, that's, and this is a big, and again, it's going to take years for this to get yeah. out to clinical get, practice. Yeah. It's crazy. And, but no, we know exactly what people can do. And this is how they reverse heart disease. Um, you know, and again, I'm reading William Lee's book right now talking about stem cells, angiogenesis, um, the maintenance of our DNA, that's the whole telomere story, and the microbiome, and immunity. Those are the five fundamental systems in the body that are really running the show. And they're all working together. They're all interrelated. Um, and they are, yeah, what drives them is like what you eat and your stress and your sleep. And your fitness, those are all the operational forces. Um, yeah, drugs can do some of that stuff, but they always have, they're, they're like dumb bombs. You know, they always have collateral damage, almost mm -hmm. always. And again, I'm not, a, I'm not against Western medicine and using, you know, I listen, I practically worship certain drugs when I had my practice because I saw what they did. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not discounting Western medicine. It, God, it's got a place. It's, it saves lives all the time, blah, blah, blah. But to uh, to ignore <laughs> an entire area <laughs> that is Completely so ignore helpful yes. Yes. and is essentially free of side effects is just ridiculous. Yeah. Getting <laughs> so, fired up. I love it. Anyway. <laughs> I couldn't feel, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. What were we originally getting into? I have to like circle back. Oh, we're talking about the diet. Okay, so yeah, that's yeah. the carb. Got yeah. the carb thing, yeah. and then then give yourself an oil change. This one could not be any easier. Now that trans fats are banned, ba um, ban, we don't have to worry about those. So one bad fat, saturated fat. People, 85 percent of Americans, maybe more, still consume too much of it, mm -hmm. and that's the four-legged fats. So that's the fat in four-legged animals: fatty cuts of beef, pork, and lamb, whole dairy products, palm oil, a big one. It's the only one not from a plant. Now it's in processed foods because they're using it to replace trans fats. And it's probably one of the worst players of all of types of saturated fats. Palm oil. Palm oil. Palm oil. Palm kernel oil. 500% increase in our food supply. And again, processed foods. The reason you, you want to stay away from processed foods. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy to get saturated fat out. Very easy. Three things. Limit red meat to two servings or less a week. Uh, if you do a lot of dairy, it's best to do low-fat, reduced-fat or skim, and then don't do processed foods because the only place you can find palm oil. That's so, and that's nothing to do that. It's easy. And then the good fats, the monos, unsaturated fats. There's only four foods. Extra virgin olive oil, canola oil, nuts and seeds, avocados. And then the omega-3 fats, which are the most important of the healthy fats. And they are, you know, oily fish. And then there's some in plain, get omega-3, 4, but eggs, dark leafy greens, flax, chia, hemp seeds, um, even other, most all forms of seafood have some. Do you supplement with some of these? Uh, um, you know, supplements are really overrated. They have a place. They have a place as a safety net. Particularly if people are like... You don't eat enough fish or avocados. Yeah, uh, if, you're not eating, if you're not eating oily fish two to three times a week, there is absolutely impossible 
possible that you could be getting autoimmune amounts of omega-3, particularly for your brain. And although eating the oily fish is best, if you can't, if you hate it, if you just whatever, for whatever reason you fail at that, then taking a high quality fish oil supplement or an algae-based DHA supplement. Okay. Uh, for vegans or vegans, they more they don't want to do any animal foods. Then you can get DHA is actually made the way it enters our food chain, even for fish, is from plankton and algae, mm-hmm. and fish are eating that. That's how they get it in them. Um, so that it has a place, certainly has a place there. And what I do is on days I don't eat oily fish, I take a fish oil supplement. But so that's the fat thing. It's easy. And then for proteins, um, it's really easy because there's a long long list of healthy protein packages and what you're trying to do with your protein is you know all three of these things carbs fat and protein are essential macronutrients your body needs to have them regularly and so proteins are you know the uh, the source of amino acids with the building blocks for the solid structure of the body they're also our key regulatory molecules right and so that's why you have that protein and so the concept is let me choose a protein that's going to give me the amino acids and then it, it but also give me good stuff and nothing bad i mean that's the concept sure. so at the top if you look at the data are going to be the plant-based proteins no doubt there's because you know they, they have phytochemicals they have fiber they have greater nutrient density the animal foods what are examples can't claim of some them. of those so there's really only three so nuts and seeds beans well i say it's only three there's only three that have a lot so nuts and seeds beans and whole soy foods so that's soy milk tofu tempeh edamame uh, miso is soy right? ever bad no. no so so much myth so much bad yeah, unless it's processed it. right processed. well that's that's their whole claim, right? soy food pro- i mean let's look at the asian populations right asians yep including the Japanese. If you look at their urine isoflavone levels, which is the most accurate marker of how much soy foods a person's eating, they have, they're have they eating 10 to 15 times more soy foods than we do in America. Okay, but they're doing whole soy foods and they're doing it their entire life, right? Now, what can they claim? Um, they're the longest living culture. Mm-hmm. They have a fraction of the per capita rates of heart disease. They have the highest IQ. Uh, they, they rarely get and rarely, rarely, rarely die of hormonal cancers, prostate cancer, breast cancer. I mean, hello, if that is not an argument of the protective factor that whole soy foods have on health, and it compared to uh, you know what we do in America, um, so, what are the difference between whole and soy? Foods what's and happened a lot with soy is, um, let me tell you, when soy milk came out in a carton on the shelf in the grocery store next to milk, the dairy lobby, the dairy powers to be went crazy. And I mean, don't think they're not going to unleash. I mean, this is this is billion. It was apparently in the paper today. One of the huge dairy dairy. I mean manufacturer of milk is closing down in Texas really? because of the demand for all these milk yeah, almond I mean milk, they saw milk, the, coconut they milk. saw the writing on the yeah. wall they saw yeah. oh my god we are doing you know and it's like blockbuster <laughs> and so they unle- they unleashed this army of spin doctors yeah. get out there and get the word out that soy is dangerous bad causes cancer but I mean it's been laughable for us to know the data that know the data. Yeah, so I mean, it's just fascinating. It's so scary, and, you know, like no, misinformation. No, and I, so always, I see that happen all the time with things. You know, so we had the movie The Game Changers that came out. Oh, yeah, we just watched that. Yeah. And, oh, look, what what happens right at the same time, and, you know, the industry's known that movie's coming out for, for a long time. And that big wacko study that came out about red meat, no, it doesn't matter, people don't really need to cut back, give me a break. Oh my God! Don't think that was not in a way manufactured, you know, mm-hmm. on purpose. Like we've got some major, major work we got to do right now because this, you know, if eyeballs get on the game changer movie, people are absolutely going to eat less red meat, and or most people that watch that will sure <laughs> and yeah. eat a lot more plants. Yeah. But anyway, it back to you to go full vegan. You could just you know have a meatless Monday. Right? Yeah. That's what Arnold yeah. said. Exactly. It's exactly. Great... It's it's a journey. I mean, yeah. if you talk to even some of the most you know committed vegans. And who are doing it for, you know, again, even evidence space, 
reasons and they will you know they didn't they didn't start like that it's there was a journey for almost all of them yeah but all right back to so then plant-based proteins at the top and then you're going to have your your seafood particularly oily fish and then the ranking beyond below that it's hard to kind of it's hard to kind of based on science rank one like that one might be a little bit better so then you're going to have mega three fortified eggs you're going to have chicken you're going to have wild game if you can get it quail duck you know some deer bison if you can get it mm -hmm. it, it fits into a balanced diet if you want to do it um and then let's see what did i leave out um pork but no, pork's red meat beef yeah. pork and lamb is all red meat oh, okay. so red so what is the one that you want to limit that you want to be mindful of and again you want to try to eat a lot of plants and you know if and if you twisted my arm and said okay dr ann based on your knowledge of all the data what what, what do you think if you ha if you're forced to pick the healthiest way to eat, if you're forced, um, based on the data we have, my take would be pescatarian, that you are pretty much all plants, but you include seafood, uh, a few servings a week, and that you, you could also do uh, some eggs and some particularly fermented dairy. To me, and and that's you know. I've been, anyway, I'm always doing experiments, but um, that's kind of where I am Perfect. very quickly getting to. And I've been very near that for a long time, but I'm, I'm not eating the chicken and the, even the occasional red meat like I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah. I'm really, really going pretty much plant seafood and I find it easy, but you know, I'm not going to be a Nazi, but it doesn't matter if I'm... I went somewhere the other night with socially and or it was asked to dinner and there was tons of healthy food because I always offered bring stuff. <laughs> and you know, but they were serving some lean pork and I'm not gonna be rude. I yeah. ate I ate I ate a little bit of it. Right. I totally enjoyed it. But I ate a lot of the other stuff. Sure. And that's just kind of how I do it. And, and that's this is another good important point to make. This is a, a probably one of the most important points to make about diet and it's simple. So if someone says, okay, what is the healthiest diet? Well, the good news is, if you look at the data, it really is plural, meaning there is a, the pathway to optimal health through nutrition is broad and can honestly um, accommodate a broad range of eating styles. You could be vegan, you could be vegetarian, you could be flexitarian, you could be pescatarian. If you know what you're doing, you could be paleo, but you got to really know what you're doing, and it's more like a vegan paleo kind of. Yeah, um, and then diet, yeah. you could be, also you could even be omnivorous, if and here's the F because again, omnivorous could be you know occasional animal foods. That's still omnivorous. If you can check off these two boxes, okay, and and the data behind what I'm saying is it's not. It is completely ground in stone. It is not controversial. It is not so any supposition. Sure. There's literally... It's black and white. You know, yeah. I don't know how many hundreds of studies, if not over two million, that the two things you must be able to check off are that you are eating largely whole real foods. You're eating foods. You're not eating... Meaning you're not eating processed foods. Minimal processed foods. Meaning you would say to yourself before you eat a food, could my great, great, great grandmother have eaten this or made this in her kitchen? If the answer is no, then you're eating a processed food, I can guarantee you. So that's the first tick of the box. The second one is that you're eating, your diet is largely plant-based. Now, what do you mean by largely? What is the percentage of calories from plants? That is where there's some gray area. But if you look at the data, at least 75% of your daily that's calories, plants, yeah. there are going to be experts that could argue that that's going to be 90. 90. 90%. 75 to 90. Dosage, right? 75% minimum yeah. effective dosage. Yeah. Was, you know, yeah. So that's a lot of plants. And I can tell you, so the way I have been approaching that in my own life for a long time is, okay, no animal foods at breakfast or at lunch with the exception of occasionally some eggs and some fermented dairy, like kefir yogurt. And then at night, I would have one serving at most of an animal-based food. But I have been doing, you know, 
oh, well, I'll just tell you, after going to see Game Changers, we went to see it at the theater. Okay. My husband, I mean, my husband eats great. He's amazing. How you could imagine, you know. Yeah. I mean, he's totally drank the Kool-Aid. And he, we walked out and he said, okay, Ann, I'm convinced. I, and he actually has struggled with some gut issues. And so, so he has some extra motivation uh, related to plant-based. And he said, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm going to try for a month, 100% vegan. 100% vegan. So we, um, we're kind of at the end of doing that and a few things. And we haven't been perfect because it's okay. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, and again, I'm not doing it. It's not OCD. It's just yeah. kind of this. It's the journey, it's not, yeah. And uh, the biggest, it's amazing, is how much you can eat. And you and I can almost guarantee anyone's gonna lose weight. And yeah. you're gonna and you're gonna feel, be eating a ton, and weight. Even if you don't want to lose weight, you're gonna lose weight. <laughs> In fact, my husband's naturally really lean, so that's kind of been a little bit of an issue sure. for him. Is weight keeping the weight on? So, but cool stuff. We I almost like uh, we're getting close to an hour, so I'm just gonna yeah. have to limit it. Yeah, There's a I lot know, of things that I want to go to. Maybe we do a part two sometime in the sure, future. Sure. That'd be super cool. Um, I always uh, love for you to just tell people if they wanted to reach out to you, learn more yeah, about you. Yeah. How could they do so that? So uh, they could go to my website. You could just Google Dr. Ann D R A N N. I should be the first thing that pops up. My site. I hope. Yep. Um, or Dr. Ann Wellness, D-R-A-N-N, wellness.com. And I have massive amounts of free information on my site. I mean, I'm a teacher. About a half of my hours are spent producing content that I, I give away. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, there's podcasts on there. There's videos. There's articles. There's recipes. You could go and never spend a penny and spend days educating yourself for free. Um, but if you have an interest in any of the books, I have them available in my, in my shopping cart and I have grocery guides. That's a really popular resource I have. And then I have my online healthy, healthy living school. So if you really want to see me and have me teach you, um, you can do that by signing up for my courses. And we are, we have just revamped all three of the courses. We're going to launch the first one, um, the first of the year, the Eat Right for Life e-course. And then we'll release, um, so, you know, we release the others. But cool. So awesome. Thanks All again. Right. This Thank was you. Awesome it was my pleasure. It was great. Thank yeah. you for what you do too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, or we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.